and I don't want to I don't want to burst anybody's bubble, but there are three three of us here that are all listeners, so you're going to have to change listener to listeners at least to cover the Huff family. I'm sorry, sir. I refuse to believe that. Um, <laughs> I kind of have them. So yeah. Um, also, the three of us add up to about one. Right. <laughs> He was like, no, I think he said something. He's like, if you don't spend, uh, he's like, if you don't find a way to make it down to the flying, he's like, there's something for, wrong with yeah, you. For like, yeah, for yeah, yeah. And in nicer words, you're an idiot if you don't find the time to go. It's and fun. How important it is. Yeah, it's funny. The president of the Discus went and just came, he was in New Orleans and visited my distillery. I literally had left for the day, and the guy was sitting there, he's like, hey, uh, there's these people here that Gordon, the owner, is like, yeah. he's supposed to meet. And, he forgot it was today or put it wrong on his on his calendar. He's like, he can't make I'm like, yeah, I'll just pull it, turn around. It was awesome. I had an amazing conversation with him. Yeah. They are leaning in a little bit to the craft side, and I'm sure you heard it on the show we talked about yeah. you know, that we have a representative essentially, right? Around fifty states. Yeah, and they're trying to really get people together and I don't wanna say they're kind of a friend of me. And I say that I would say that to the president of Discus right now. It's because I don't give a shit. Right. Uh Zeno brand's the Zeno brand. Right. <laughs> it's already pissed all over. Yeah. Um, so, but but I mean they're making a good. He was making a good faith effort to really bring people together, and we're not really in competition with Jim Beam and Wild Turkey. That's not. We're it's we're like there's enough room for all of the everything that's going on in craft, right? Like, and it's only going to push Jim Beam further and everything. Now they they need different things, but. I don't think they're really going to hold – they don't need to hold us down whatsoever. I say us now. I was on the other side, right? right. Yeah. right. But, I mean, mainly what I care about is, like, what's best for the freaking consumer? Where's the good liquid coming out of, right? Yeah. And you guys, listen, I went to France for two weeks, right? I'm like, you go to the area where you want the spirit that you want to drink because yeah. they make it that way, yeah. right? And that can still happen here, right? And, you know, you know, granted, I'm making vodka in New Orleans, I don't fucking grow grain in New Orleans, right? It's like a billion degrees all the time. Sugar cane. Yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, I could make a. Sh- there are people that make sugarcane vodka, and it's really neat. Um, but yeah, I think that people and like what you guys are doing here—that's why I love it so much, right? Like, reason, even bloody butcher corn. I know very little about it, right? Yeah. The thing I knew about it is that Highwire, right? They're doing their they bloody butcher thing. Yeah, they yeah. they go ape shit about it, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, for the record, I've been recording all of this. That's because, fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The Huff brand is the Huff brand. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a really cool time to like be in the. Uh, I think it's a really cool time to be in this industry because mm-hmm. it is it's such a growth state right now. Yeah, that you're better off, you know, sharing everything and not being secretive. And look, you know. listen, I could I could open up a distillery next door and use all the same grain. It's going to be different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And there's yeah. little things I'm going to do. Like, oh man, that's cool. Yeah. But they're doing it this way, so let me try that. Yeah. You know what? And if both of us land on something that's making awesome, guess what? Then we have twice the amount of a good spirit. Yeah. So yeah. who gives a shit? Yeah. Right. So uh, weed and bourbon, bloody butcher, fifty-seven percent bloody butcher, eighteen percent weed, and then twenty-five percent. The bourbon is. Feel free to cut this stuff out too, or don't. The bourbon is the toughest one for us to lock in. That's and I feel like it's rye comes into its zone way faster, um, way more reliably than bourbon does. So weed and bourbon. Yeah, this stuff is. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. That's it's pretty, pretty good. Like yeah, right. Yeah, that's okay. what this, this. So this latest batch, the older it gets, the longer it goes. The more you start to get like what more, proof is that? Ninety-two. Ninety-two. Yeah. No. Yeah. The more you start to get like stone fruit flavors, and that's what the 
batches before that were There missing. were quotation marks there. I just want to say that yeah. for the <laughs> yeah. So the so the earlier batches may have had, you know, a whole lot of grain and a whole lot of oak. These yeah. latest ones are starting to get those, you know, oxidized flavors. Yeah. You know, the yeah. stone fruit and stuff like that. Maple yeah, cherries. Benzoaldehyde. That's a cherry almond. That's like compounds. I don't know. In organic chemistry, it's like the first thing that you synthesize, and like everyone knows. I'm like I know this smell, right? Benzoaldehyde. Yeah. Have you, have you guys like picked his brain for all the information? Pull out. Of <laughs> yep. It took about three seconds. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. So I'm gonna do like uh, I'm gonna be like Brian now. Uh, this is the Still Talking Podcast, your irrelevant podcast about <laughs> distillation, and I can't remember what the hell else he says. Uh, I'm here with I. I'm not gonna lie. I called you. I was like, oh yes, yeah, Liberty Pole, but it's Mingo Creek, right? Like it's Liberty Pole. I don't know. You guys tell me. I'm just sitting. You're being very gracious host, and I'm an asshole. Uh, so clear it up for me. It is. It is Liberty Pole. So Liberty oh. Pole is our brand. Okay. Think of Anheuser Busch and Budweiser. Mingo Creek is our corporate identity. Uh, that's our LLC. But our brand and what we like to be uh, referred to is Liberty Pole. Yeah, you might see Mingo Creek written on the business cards, but the brand is Liberty Pole Spirits. Fair enough. I mean, I have porch jam distillation, I make Bolton vodka, exactly. and really I work for Bootleg. Exactly. So I understand it. Cool, cool. So um, I'm going to have you guys introduce yourselves. Very nice. Uh, it's going to be easy because you're all family members, so there's like a genetic commonality here. Um, Except Kev, he's adopted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so go around and introduce yourselves and Start just talk. With the smartest first. So, uh, yeah. well, I'm not going to make that judgment. I'll, I'll, I'll go. So, uh, so I'm Jim. I'm, I'm dad. Uh, family business. Uh, I've been a hobby distiller for 10 years or so on a 10-gallon uh, copper moonshine still in the backyard. In New Zealand. This is all in New Zealand. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Definitely not Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Rob Huff. I'm the uh, I'm the oldest son. I've been working here for about three and a half years now. So um, one of the distillers, uh, one of the salesmen, one of the uh, head janitors. So a little bit of everything. But uh, uh, moving on to Kevin. Yeah, and uh, I'm Rob's younger brother, uh, Kevin. Kevin. All right. Yeah. So uh, how many guys? How many people we have on staff here? Well, three of us. Um, Mom, my wife Ellen is is kind of our director of, you know. Uh, our branding, she's responsible for all of our branding and our, our tasting room design. And, um, you know, we have, what, five, six bartenders that come in and help us out on our, on our tasting room hours. Okay, cool. So you, you, so you say you're a hobbyist distiller. Um, was it just because of it's geographically advantageous where you are here and you kind of grew up around it? Or is it because you were making beer and you're like, man, I'm, not, I'm, I'm rubbish at making beer. Maybe if I distill it, it'll be better, right? Like, how did you How did you get around to it? Probably should make a whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was B. I, I you know I, I was started off making some beer and I don't know if I was really bad at it, but I got bored at it really quickly. So I decided I liked whiskey and uh, thought it would be fun to to learn to distill and um, you know kept it in the backyard. In New Zealand. In New Zealand, yeah. <laughs> Bought a house in New Zealand. That's all right. Nobody's going to listen to this. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, this is listener. <laughs> I, I am listener, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, it was fun. I'm going to get t-shirts I, with that on it. I am listener. <laughs> I, was a, uh, I was a good dad, you know, when these guys were in high school. We were, you know, we had some good father-son quality time on the deck uh, making whiskey. Oh, very so, cool. Yeah. Very cool. So you guys are, uh, you're leaning into this bloody butcher corn, which, you know, I kind of just got done saying. I don't know fuck all about. Um, it's a still talking podcast. I'm gonna say that word, right? Like, 
Um, Kev's never heard of it. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I find it interesting. It's beautiful. Like It's aesthetically pleasing. Uh, I ate a piece. It was interesting. And I feel like you are staying true to fruit, as my phrase is. Uh, I think there's some of that characteristic and what I've had from you guys. But uh, why why the Bloody Butcher? It's a uh, it's a strain of corn that's been uh, used. That's been yeah, it is. But it's a strain of corn that's been used in Western Pennsylvania essentially for the last you know three or four generations, right? So yeah. that was uh, yeah. yeah, that was a, if we're gonna distill whiskey in Western Pennsylvania, you know, a lot of it's gonna be rye. But the stuff that isn't, we wanted to use a, you know, a type of corn that's local, you know, that's uh, traditional for Western Pennsylvania. So, uh, not to mention it, it is famous for having a really rich, earthy flavor. It's kind of like, I like to describe it as the exact opposite of white corn, right? They both make good whiskey, but it's got a really rich, earthy um, corn flavor to it. So Nice. Yeah, we talked about maybe doing a corn blend at some point, yeah. right? We were just like, yeah. oh, I wonder what that would yeah. be like, right? Yeah, we've talked about it before, dude. Yeah. Maybe a uh, maybe doing a red, white, and blue corn blend, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is the sixth of July. Uh, <laughs> you missed the boat, man. Yeah, can't do it now. Now it's just tacky. Twenty-one. Yeah, it's just tacky now. Yeah, um, that's really cool. You know, you guys talked about you're like, oh, Zeno, you're a rye guy. I'm like, well, I'm from here, so yeah, right? Yeah, I can't do it. Like the guy who taught me how to make, he was a winemaker, and he worked at Westinghouse, and Westinghouse bought out the old large distillery, right. which right. was the Monongahela rye, right? Yeah, right. And nobody that's going to listen to this can say Monongahela if they read it on a piece of paper. Um, Monongahela. Yeah, right. So you guys, you're, I know you're, you've are you been really excited about rye, too. It's like, so you're doing this bloody butcher of corn. Is there, are you working a lot with rye, and you're pretty excited about the rye that you're getting locally? Yeah. Yeah? yeah 100%. Yeah. If it were up to Rob, we would be 100% rye whiskey. So, <laughs> so we have to keep, you know, kind of changing his path to convince him that, you know, bourbon is a is a whiskey that we need to make. Um, I tell those guys we're mashing bourbon. Most of it's rye. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you guys been doing this now? <clears throat> Three years. Three? So our, our third birthday is uh, coming up next week, July 9th. Oh, we're awesome. Officially open to the public for three years. That's awesome. Yeah. The rye and then the peated bourbon is quite a tasty, uh, quite a tasty. Yeah, I've seen a couple of people doing that now too. And uh, full yeah. disclosure, I mean, we drank it. Yeah. I know you thieved it from yeah. a barrel, and I was like, well, you know, here's a couple of things I think about peated bourbon. Either it's there's either they never get the peat balance right, right, or it's over oaked and too much oak, not enough age, which is something that I say often, right? But no, I really do. I really like. I thought you guys uh, use some restraint with the peat. It's clearly peated. But it's not offensive, right? I'm not drinking Laphroaig with corn. Yeah. So. It's a little more built in, yeah. right? The, yeah. smoke, the smoke is there, but yeah. it has a subtleness. But I think also, too, the way the corn plays with the smoke is, yeah. is a neat. The sweetness of yeah. it. Is a, yeah. That's a, like, what I tell tours. Is the corn puts up a little bit more of a fight. You know, yeah, than, than a malted whiskey does, right? Yeah. And especially whenever it has that brand new barrel, kind of help it out a little right. bit there. So I know Colton and I are obsessed with, like, I mean, we like a lot of the Islay. Yeah. I like peated yeah. whiskey, yeah. right? Yeah. But I like a lot of the salinity with it, too. And, yeah. like, ha, yeah. we want to somehow make that happen here. We haven't. He's like, oh, I'm just going to, I think we probably said on this with stupid salt. show. <laughs> yeah, salt and even, <laughs> right, yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's going to end badly. Um <laughs> You got a broken human arm 48 hours later. Yeah. We never boast our intelligence on this show. So, um, but we want to make it happen. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. So, so yeah, what all do you have in your portfolio? So, you have, we talked about a rye. Right. We talked about a peated bourbon, a, a bourbon, right? That, 
that that's those are our flagships. Our, our mentality is we want to do uh, a relatively few amount of products, but get to and work on on them being the best possible spirits possible. So spend all our efforts focusing on on very few amounts of products and do them very very well. So yeah. no, yeah. I love that. I mean, that, you guys hear me say it all the time too. I'm more I make two things right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. I'd rather focus on. Yeah. And like you can do minor minor deviations from that. And, right? You know, so I always tell people, you know, look at Jimmy Russell and Freddie No and you know these master distillers that have spent their careers making only whiskey. Oh, hundred percent. You know, it, it just every day we distill, we learn something. And you know, if you're making fifty skews, you know, you, you're just not able. I don't think really. To, so we <laughs> no, want we want we want to focus on a very small portfolio and, and just really do it well. Yeah, that's great. And you guys just expanded too, so I got to check out some of your new equipment, which is a good thing, also a frightening thing. And we talked about like it's going to be different, right? It's going to be different. It's going to be slightly different, but that's not necessarily bad. There's different bad and different good, right? So I'm pretty excited. You're pretty excited about running that too. So when's your your mashing? Your first mash this tomorrow? No, it'll be Tuesday. It'll be Tuesday. So yep. So we'll take Monday, sanitize everything, and then we'll roll on Tuesday. So. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, that's exciting. And I, yeah, I'll tell you what, is a strong word, but yeah, right. we'll clean on Monday. It's a distillery, we'll, right? Yeah, <laughs> we don't like brewers and, then, and winemakers yeah, on here. We'll clean like, on Monday and then we'll mash on Tuesday. Yeah. So, um, I, I will say this. I saw I was like perusing your website too, and like I really appreciate it. like you, all the grain bills are on there. Like it's I think really I, nice. Yeah, I'm telling you, like we talked about it earlier. I mean. It, at the end of the day, we, the, the consumer is, is is super important. We want the consumer to be happy, and and, and for us, it's the openness is, is super important. Yeah. We actually, uh, yeah. So that's something that us as consumers has always appreciated. If I go to a beer distributor and I see a, a can of beer where they list what type of malt they use, what type of hops they use, what type of yeast they use, it piques my interest, right? It makes me kind of want to try. Have I ever tried a beer with mosaic hops? I guarantee you, I probably yeah, have. It tastes like, like Melanie armpit, right? Yeah. But like I'm gonna give it, but I'm gonna give it a shot, and that's kind of like with our whiskey. That's exactly what we like to do: is yeah. say, "Hey, this is exactly how we did it. This is exactly what you're getting." Jim, Jim's pouring himself another one. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Not, else out of out of a plastic cup. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm, doing, I'm doing great. No, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I do usually drink a lot. That's why it's of the quality that it is. <laughs> but um, did you guys talk about the peated rye at all? No. no. So, so we we're still going through the, the products, and uh, I'm kind of bummed that Kevin stopped short of uh, our flagship product, bourbon cream. Uh, but uh, <laughs> right, which I have not tried yet. They were kind enough to send it to me. They actually sent it to my boss, like the owner's house, because that's what our distillery has that address somewhere. And like one day I came in on my desk, I'm like, what the hell is this? And it's bourbon cream. I feel like it's a fun thing for people to do now to send me bourbon cream. I'm, I'm not even upset about it. Like, right? like, I haven't drank it yet though. Cause I knew yeah. I was coming back to Pittsburgh. I'm like, I got to reach yeah. out to these guys. I want to drink it with them. So I can be like, I hate you that I like this. <laughs> you might be. You might yeah, be we should do it. Yeah, we should definitely I, do it. I, I, have a, I have a sneaking suspicion that you're a closet bourbon cream fan. And this is one big plot. <laughs> yeah, right. Bourbon cream. <laughs> No, I mean it's all about Brian. He's the one drinking the bourbon cream all the time, right? And it's it mainly is because that you know the orphan girl one, which was good. I, I yeah, I was upset that I liked it, but I did, right? So, uh, but yeah, we're so we were going to talk about peated rye. Yeah, yeah. So you know, 
we, we have a small portfolio. You know, we always want to have our core products available. But, you know, we will once or twice a year do a one-off release. We have a cast-strength rye that we're releasing at the Whiskey Rebellion Festival next week. Uh, earlier this year, we did a peated rye. And, you know, we kind of piggybacked on the success of our peated bourbon and decided to play that game with a rye whiskey. Oh. Uh, we released that cast-strength. Uh, so it came out of what? 114.4 proof. But probably our most acclaimed whiskey among our local whiskey really? customers. They loved it. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and that's a super esoteric whiskey oh, yeah, too, right? Yeah, like yeah. a peated yeah, rye. That's yeah. nonsensical almost, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But that's great. Yeah. yeah. Do you still have some? Did you get a sh- did, did you try that one? Yeah, yeah we have we have yeah. a little, we, we have a, so we lucked out on that. This was the first whiskey that there's always Liberty Pole all over the place, right? Obviously you work at Liberty Pole. So we never really set aside bottles to save. But um this peated rye, I d I didn't set aside any bottles to save because there's always one on the shelf. Right. Turns out eventually there was not one on the shelf. So we, that's we had a, crazy. Yeah, we had we had one guy and stumble across a case, a lost case, so we now have bottles again. So that's uh, so you think maybe that's something you will keep in your portfolio so, then? Yeah. So the plan right now is we will never keep – well, I won't – never is a strong word. No plans to keep it in the portfolio as a regular rye or a regular bourbon. But I will say there may or may not be two to three more batches already aging down in the basement. So, you know, maybe something once a year, you know, that we can count on releasing once a year. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the bottle right now too and – the the green bill the mash bill is on here too. That's, Man, I fucking love that guys. Exactly, right? Yeah, that's exactly what like we're this is what about I want earlier. when I pick up a bottle. Yeah. I want that every time. Yeah. So maybe once a year. You don't know if you will put it probably, in full yeah, rotation. Once what are the year. yields um, like on that? You know, it's actually it's not horrible, but yeah, it's what you'd expect. <laughs> it's not good. A lot of enzymes. Yeah. Just kidding. It's all enzymes. One hundred percent enzymes. No, there's actually there's actually enough peat smoked barley in there that you don't need to really spike it with enzymes. But yeah, we definitely add enzymes to this guy. Yeah, the mash the mash bill on the back of the bottle just said amylase. Yeah. Alpha glucose. Yeah. No, no, just amylase. Just all. Just, 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 all just cast a wide net. Just all yeah. that. Just all the amylases. It's really odd. Yeah, but it, yeah. it's good. Yeah, yeah. That's what the way I put it is. That like, has more peat in it than, yeah, than your yeah. bourbon. Yeah, that's the way I put it. Is not the best sales pitch, but the, honestly, the way I think of it is, it's not a whiskey I'd want to drink every night. But there are certain nights whenever I'm in the mood for something that's exactly like that. Yeah, yeah. It's super savory, yeah. right? I like yeah. the alliteration there, yeah. and that. Could, I just made. Chew, I just did that right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's not get carried away. <laughs> the podcasting yeah. skills here are unbelievable. <laughs> All right, and uh, I think uh, I'm going to need a grunt and do a final thoughts on that one. Uh, uh, so what's next for you guys? You expanded. Uh, you're doing like kind of one-offs. Are you doing any – are you doing collaborations with any other local distillers? You know, you guys know I love my buddy Tim down at Maggie's Farm. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. We, we um, too. So what are you finishing in rum barrels then? Because I feel like we should do that. Tim, yeah. So in all honesty – Every time I see Tim, uh, not all that often, but every time I see him, yeah. I ask for rum barrels. Will Bubblicious. Actually, maybe cut this out. It sounded like I threw him under the bus. But <laughs> in all seriousness, I'm trying to get rum barrels he's, off. I, think guys, he's, so. I, call, I call him a friend, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, I don't think he listens to this, so yeah. we're good. That's okay. <laughs> in, in the words of Tim, he said, uh, I don't sell them. He goes, and if you see rum barrels for sale, don't buy them. There's probably something wrong with them. Yeah. Right. Oh, so. rum, rum barrels are traditionally like. Yeah, on their last leg, over. right? Yeah. I'll tell you what, though, guys. I mean, you know, the rum's getting up there. I would be more than glad to give you some rum barrels from 
down in Louisiana with Don Rex. Screw Tim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, screw Tim Russell. Yeah. Tim Russell, he lives at... Um, Feel yeah, free we, to send him bottles of bourbon cream. Yeah. <laughs> Have you been to the Clemente Museum? The end yeah, of yeah. So, so I've talked to that guy about you know, being uh, one or two of his uh, ex-wine barrels and you know, maybe doing some finishing in, in, in some sort of a wine barrel. So yeah, we, we'd like to do those as far as collaboration goes. Um, we just collaborated with six other Pennsylvania distilleries to produce a rye whiskey collaboration to benefit the Whiskey Rebellion Festival. Wiggle, Dad's Hat, Thistle Finch, New Liberty, Liberty Pole, Barrel 21, Barrel 21 in uh, State College, and Red Pump up the road from us in Washington. Uh, six, seven distillers. All the proceeds are going to the festival. It's an awesome ride. I mean, it's, it turned That's out right. way beyond our, our expectations. How did it work? Did you guys all give the same amount of liquid and blend no, it together? No, we, yeah. we, we took what anybody could could uh, could, could oh, get. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it's it's unequal amounts, and you know, obviously... Did you all big... blend it together? Sorry, I keep yeah. interrupting yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm excited. They actually sat around the table and judged each spirit individually. Yeah. And, and then gave thumbs up or thumbs up. Everybody got voted in. You guys should have thumped out at least we, one person. We, we actually had plans to try to figure out the best blend, but in the end, you don't want to piss anybody off by saying, well, thanks for bringing 15 gallons, but we can only use one gallon. Uh, so we, we, we took what everybody gave, and they were all good. I mean, every donation, every contribution was excellent. Uh, across the well, board, but even more so than that, it's not it's not in spirit, right? It's kind of yeah, right. this is a Pennsylvania rye right. whiskey, right? Yeah. So unequal is... amounts, but the blend was was great. Well, it's, cool. uh, it's been what two months in in a dad's hat. In a dad's hat, fifty three gallon uh, bottled and bond barrel. Uh, Herman donated that to the cause, and we blend. You know, we kind of mingled the whiskeys together for two months, and um, it, it was phenomenal. Yeah, that's great. And so, how far? Is that distributor, how far, how, what's your guys' distribution range? Some more. Are you just in PA right now? Pretty local, yeah. Yeah, right. In, yeah, within a, probably a two-hour radius. Of, right. Of, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's fine. It's like, uh, I have a friend, you guys know Lavery Brewing up in Erie? Jason Lavery's yeah, my friend yeah. from way back. Yeah. And he was like, look, I can, I can expand, but I'd rather nail down what I'm doing yeah. and, and, just, and just grow, grow, yeah. grow, yeah. grow yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 And, uh. But that's cool. So where is that available? Is it just in PA then? It's actually just, uh, yeah, through our distillery, um, mm -hmm. through the Whiskey Rebellion website. You know, we have to sell it through a licensed DSP, right. so so we are the ultimate DSP. We can't, we can't ship within the state of Pennsylvania. We can right? ship within yeah. the state of Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's it's what, available through the Whiskey Rebellion website. That's the only way to get to it, whiskeyrebellionfestival.com. Honestly, didn't know there was a Whiskey Rebellion website, so, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I'm so, learning, guys, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it, it's been, and we'll give you a taste when we yeah. finish up. But it's uh, it's it's really really a great great See? blend. Cool. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna grunt us out, and I'm gonna go. Final thoughts. <laughs> but really, my final thought is I'm going to enjoy this bourbon cream. <laughs> um, that's my final thought. I've never had so much fun watching a guy drink oh, bourbon shit, cream. Man. <laughs> they're like they're like like a frosty. I freaking I hate how much I like it. <laughs> It's, uh, oh, it's, oh, I could drink it in the sun too. Like, yeah, they are no fun to make. Oh no, they they're fun to drink. I'm sure, right? Like when we had, you know, when the orphan girl and we had John on. Yeah. And he was like, when he told me how much of it of the skews, like the percentage of his sales, I was like, what the, f right? Whenever I heard what his percentage of bourbon cream was, I was not jealous at all. Yeah, yeah. So, but it, uh, 
equally as good. Um, I'm not bullshitting you. I would literally tell you guys because I can cut this. I have full power to say whatever I want. Uh, no, I, I really like it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I waited to drink it with you guys, though. And my wife makes fun of me because it sits in my fridge. So, um, Yeah, so that's awesome. my final thoughts. Is there anything else you guys want to say? Uh, uh, yeah, we, we appreciate you having us on. So we've, uh, we've been long-time listeners, so it's, uh, it's, uh, it's pretty cool to actually be on the podcast. So. And I don't want to burst anybody's bubble, but there are three – Three of us here that are all listeners, so you're going to have to change listener to listeners at least to cover the Huff family. I'm sorry, sir. I refuse to believe that. Um, yeah. I kind of have them. So yeah. Um, also, the three of us add up to about one. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't listen, so like I know that. I know. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Open up the doors, and my friends are with me from Pittsburgh, and you got it's it's great. We went around. And I love what you're doing here. It's good. It makes me happy that people are doing this from my home. Uh, so you're representing what everything I love about distillation. So I really appreciate it, and thanks for sharing all your booze with me too. I mean, I also love that. Awesome. Uh, and, yeah, and I li- don't listen to this episode if you don't want to because you lived it. So yeah. <laughs>
Uh, so we make, you know, vodkas, gins, liqueurs, brandies. Um, and, uh, you know, with the continuous still, um, we would have had some limitations uh, in some of those products. So uh, we started with a pot, but always had the continuous kind of in the back of our mind, you know, once we had some money to buy it. Um, sure. We put that in. I guess it's been about seven years ago now. Uh, so, and you guys, just for listener who's sitting at home and can't see, you guys have a, a 12 inch. Yeah, we have a 12 inch. It's about 25 feet tall. Um, we run that and we still continue to run the hybrid still, which is a 350 gallon pot still. And um, that's got 12, uh, 12 plate column uh, yeah. attached to that too. So what do you do on each? The, the continuous goes to all whiskey production or? Yeah, pretty much. Just I mean, we, we run some of the malt through the pot still. Uh, we do a Irish style whiskey that goes to the pot still. Um, but all the American style whiskeys go through the column or the continuous still. Um, we also make quite a bit of brandy and that goes through the continuous still as well. The gin, we do a, a maceration of the botanicals in the pot. Um, we do some fruit brandies and grappa in the pot still as well. So you, do you guys still do the sochu? We do. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, I don't know the process of sochu. So, yeah. So, um, we make in the fall cause you know, you have to be concerned about, uh, sulfites in the wine. So we, we get fresh, fresh wine in the fall that we distill and we use that for multiple purposes. So some of it becomes just great brandy that we put in a barrel. Uh, some of it becomes soju, um, because there's really no requirement of what soju is made of. So we decided oh, okay. to use grapes being from the Finger Lakes. Um, so that's basically an unaged grape brandy, um, cut down to 23% alcohol. Uh, and it's ready for the bottle. Uh, some of it we will then uh, rectify into vodka and we'll bottle it as vodka. Some of that vodka then becomes the base for our gin. Uh, some of it becomes the base for the liqueurs. So, yeah, I think we did, um, I think it was 18,000 gallons of, uh, of wine last year through the continuous still that became different iterations of all kinds of different products here and you're just buying the wine from the local wineries around or yeah, some you of guys it, grow any some of it we make here um we'll do the fermentation here some of it we um will buy is kind of not a finished wine but it's it's kind of a rough wine that still you know has some of the lees in it all right so i want to know about the box gin that you guys had when i was here last i saw i was like oh that's cool a low abv probably cocktail gin in a, in a box in a, or in a bag in a box uh, and then I looked at the label and it is just straight gin it is yeah so, <laughs> I don't think I've seen anybody else do that <laughs> I assume it's a good seller for festivals and it is yeah. events. Uh, you know we're up here in the Finger Lakes and people gather as big groups and sure. have parties down at the lake and you know you don't want to worry about glass you um, you know you can take it down by the campfire and you know have it on its own or mix it with some tonic and, yeah. and, uh, you know, we were blowing through bottles with, um, you know, parties at the lake and everything. And actually it was our uh, distiller and his wife that just said, we need to, we need this in a bigger bottle or, or something. And <laughs> hey, what is it? It's two liters? Or it's 1.75. Yeah. So it's basically a handle. Yep. Yeah. Did you have any trouble getting it through TTB? No, no. I've seen more and more spirits go into the box format. Um, you know, we were, Obviously, wanted to make sure that the the material that the bags made yeah, out. Yeah, what do you have um, to do for that? Uh, you know, they they told us it would be fine, but we did our own trials just to make sure that you know. What everything. material is it? Is, 
Is it uh, the same as like if I buy a box of wine? It's, it's the same stuff. It is, yeah, yeah. So, but they've they've tested Some it, and we did our own internal thing. tests and everything too. So, yeah, holds up very well. Now you still sell gin and regular glass for the less classy people. <laughs> I yeah, we'll, we'll still sell you a bottle uh, as well, but um, we encourage the the bag and box. <laughs> so I guess we'll start with your gins, and then we'll start going through the other stuff. But you have two gins, three gins. Two gins, uh, and then sometimes we'll have other things going on, but the, the two standard gins are Seneca Drums, which is kind of a fun summery gin, less juniper forward. Sort of contemporary uh, American that. style. Yeah, we've had that from day one. Um, you know, it's, it's just very fresh tasting and lots of citrus. And then we do a, a more classic London dry style under the uh, Mackenzie brand. Um, we also have started a program uh, called Original Gin, where... Um, people will come in and, and formulate their own their own gin um, recipe and then oh yeah that's what you guys were doing yesterday yeah yeah we had a class yesterday uh, it was a group of seven. so they get to make it and take some home that day yeah yeah um, so we have each individual botanical distilled and uh, you kind of do a blending session and get a little history on on the category and come up with something that uh, hopefully is palatable. And then once you feel good about it, we actually distill it with you and uh, bottle it up under the original uh, gin label. So does the class have to come to a consensus on what gin they want? Yeah, we always uh, figure it out. We put them on the clock, kind of like an Iron Chef kind of style. Awesome. Um, but they can't eat. You can't have 10 people come in and each make their own gin. No, no. We, we end up, uh, so usually they come in as a group, and it's either, you know, a bachelor party where the bachelor's going to make the decision, or, you know, maybe it's a corporate retreat, and they allow me and my distiller to make the decision as to which is the best. And That's awesome. So as long as we have the ground rules in place, uh, it works out pretty good. Yeah, we're, we're, no sitting, we're sitting in front of... <laughs> 20 gallon jugs of so are these each distilled large batches into with single botanicals or do you do like little desktop distillations for it yeah so we have a little um basically a, a test still we call it our we still and we can run eight gallon charges or 26 gallon charges <laughs> off of that and um you know so that's what we actually run the the, the gin through okay yeah it would make me nervous trying to run it through 500 gallons still yeah this is a lot of product just to <laughs> hope that someone buys all right so got through gin let's get into the whiskeys because you guys have a lot we're drinking the the new bonded bottle and bond i guess mm -hmm. i hadn't seen it before um it is in a different package which i i think i like the bonded bottle a little bit better but yeah, we've actually moved all the Mackenzie whiskeys into that package oh, really? going forward. Yeah, so that's what we're best known for is our Mackenzie whiskeys. Um, that's what we sell, you know, uh, in the seven states that we do business. Um, we've been making whiskey from day one, focusing primarily on American style whiskeys, so bourbon and rye. Uh, the rye has been our most award-winning whiskey. Um, but our bourbons are catching up now. Um, we do a high rye bourbon and then a weeded bourbon that we bottle in the bottled in bond. Um, and you're all big format barrel aging. Yeah, all 53 gallon barrels, heavy char. Um, we've been doing that for, I guess, eight years now. Uh, we did play around with some of the smaller barrels when we first started, but quickly got into the sure. the big barrels. Um, we are going to bottle our first single malt. Um, in the next month or two, we have our 10-year celebration in September, 10-year um, anniversary. 
Wait, and I thought you said it was 2007. Yeah, well, we started distilling in late 2008 and opened our tasting room in 2009. Got it. Um, so our, our whiskey that we're going to release is a 10-and-a-half-year-old single malt, oh, wow. um, which I think is kind of unheard of in the craft I would world. say so. <laughs> <laughs> so are you, are you familiar with the sort of American single malt movement? Oh, yeah, we joined the, uh, the association, and but we haven't released any of our single malt yet, so this is kind of our first foray into that that category. Not to put you on the spot, are there any changes you'd make to their standard of identity? We're, we're pretty much in line with what the association is pushing for, I think. Me, uh, personally, my only change would be, I and I, no one sat down to explain to me why, but they have that maximum size limit of, I think it's a 200 liter, or sorry, 700 liter barrel, which is pretty big. There's not a mm-hmm. reason I would go outside that, but yeah, yeah but I'm I not super, you're saying. I'm not like super you, into the idea of, of putting why put a limit a on, label it? on it anyways. Yeah. yeah. I hadn't really thought too much about it, but I, I see where you're going with that. I mean, that's a huge barrel. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else you're going to do with it. But I guess it gets you away in case someone comes in with like, you know, wine vats and wants age and that. So. Right. I think making it as inclusive as possible, though, you know, and, and yeah, uh, it, it seems really a little, that. I mean, it's, it's, so it's for American single malt. So I get that. But we also, at the same time, just all submitted comments about how much we hated the approximately 50 gallon proposed rule change. Oh, for the, uh, so it's kind uh, of TTB a double regulations. End, but yeah. Hopefully I, I very much doubt the TTB listens to this. <laughs> I think we're, <laughs> we're in the clear. So the bonded, the bonded is a, a bourbon or a rye. Yeah, so our, our bottled and bond is a weeded bourbon. Um, we always use 70% corn in our bourbon recipes. Uh, our high rye is 20% rye. And everything's New York local and yes. probably more local than that. Yeah, yeah. So when we started the business, you know, 10 or 12 years ago, the, the one exception was malted barley. Nobody was malting sure. barley in the state. And it's pretty exciting now because we have, I think, 17 malt houses in New York alone, so we can. So get your ten-year single malt will not fall under the. New no, York. it will because we were actually malting our, oh. ourselves <laughs> at that point. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Are you malt here on site still, or no, did you decide we, that we was too? No, we decided that was too much. <laughs> as, as did we. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Plus, our malt house burned down. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah. So, and then then you guys do a lot of brandies and grappas i think yeah a lot, of our, a lot of our products members. we have a ton of skews we have probably 20 between 20 and 22 um or 25 skews i guess but a lot of them are just you know local and yeah. we push here at the distillery um so really our focus is on the mckenzie whiskeys and some of the gins do you have a favorite of your children <laughs> uh not the bottles i mean no <laughs> Uh, both Lucy and Annie are great, but um, <laughs> as far as the bottles go, I've always uh, really loved our rye. That's been my favorite um, all along. Um, I don't know. I'm big into uh, brandy as well. I think I'm, I'm hoping you know. I think it's going to be. We get that movement going. Yeah. I, we we make quite a bit of brandy. Um, it's still not flying off the shelves, but you know, sure. I think eventually it's going to get going and you know it's such a great tie to where we make our product with the finger lakes and the, the different you think it's a, an educational 
issue with why it's not flying? I mean, I assume like the consumer is now much more educated about whiskey and you're seeing scales, sales skyrocket. Yeah, Randy, I, don't know. I, I, don't know what it's I feel like take. I see a lot of people, well, this isn't cognac and I don't know what that means, but I know it's obviously not as good. So. Yeah, but I, I disagree, but yeah. you know, <laughs> I don't know what it's going to take. That was I me think. being a consumer. Not... <laughs> uh, I'd love to see some of the, you know, traditional brandy cocktails really get yeah. better placements. I think that might. Yeah, Wisconsin old fashioned. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Sidecars, you know, the things that, that. Just so are you reusing, what kind of barrels do you use for your We your reuse our, our bourbon whiskeys. barrels primarily, yeah. A and then do you that. do any finishing of the whiskeys and, and wine since you have so much access to New York wine all over? Yeah, we've, we've had fun with that. Um, you know, I, I know that's kind of a hot thing to do right now sure. and um but we we do those as single barrels so we you know we've worked with local brewers that have taken our whiskey barrels and aged doppelbach or other styles of beer um Does that do the trade back thing yeah yeah uh we were pretty happy with an ice wine barrel that we did um that was pretty interesting uh we did a pomo i can see that being very similar to sherry mm-hmm Pomo was really, that was probably my favorite that we've done. Um, yeah. A local cider producer is making a Pomo, put our rye back into that. And that I can see that good. being really good. Yeah. Have you done any apple brandies? Yeah, we make apple brandy too. Um, some of it goes into a liqueur that we make that we blend it with maple syrup. It's really kind of a quintessential New York drink with the apple and maple together. Um, but some it sounds of it, incredibly sweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some of it we just release on its own too. That's great. Um, so we talked about it a little bit before we were recording, but you just joined the craft scale of the uh, discus board. Um, can you tell us what their secret plans are? <laughs> no, I, I I know there's always concerns because they are so you know um, backed by the big alcohol companies. Sure. But I've had a relationship with discus for seven or eight years now, I guess. Um, and I, I just think they're really important for our success as small producers too. They, yeah. they seem to be genuine, um, in terms of, you know, knowing that we can help push things forward that they're looking for. And, you know, we, uh, go down to DC once or twice a year to meet with them and they're very gracious and I have nothing but good things to say about discus really. Yeah. To me too, it's, it's also there's a lot of just research that they do for the industry that is invaluable and i i don't think on a craft scale you know acsa we have the park street um sort of craft data project but then you look at some of the economic impact that the discus comes up with too and that helps your argument and yeah, they've and got Washington the re- resources. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and they've, they, you know, they put together trips to try to provide some new market access and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, we went so. to Germany last year, and I think mm-hmm. we've done it a couple times. Yeah. Um, not to say that I've seen my sales skyrocket in Germany, but we went <laughs> to Germany, so. It's always good for a trip anyways, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anything else that... No, I think it's just, uh, it's a pretty exciting time to be in the business, and um, you know, I'm, I'm anxious to see what the next few years bring. It's just obviously the the number of distilleries has exploded here in the last sure. five to and ten years. New York years. is one of the top. Now, was that a lot of the farm bill? You think, or what's really driving the, the 
craft scene here. Yeah, I think New York's been the the laws in New York are pretty friendly right now, and that's the results of a lot of hard work. It wasn't always that sure. way. Sure, you but, guys have a pretty uh, active guild. We do, yeah, um, and you know, I think the state has realized that it's doing the business. The distilling industry has done good things for the economy. Yeah, um, tourism and farming and. Yeah, those rural tax. areas. Are, <laughs> well, always tax. It yeah. always comes back to tax. Yeah. So they've gotten behind it and uh, made it to you know a more friendly business to get involved in. Um, What's next on the list of we need this changed? Uh, State-wise. So, I know obviously we all know that the FET needs to be. Yeah, the FET is obviously the biggest thing uh, federally. Um, the, there's a, a production tax credit that the breweries enjoy in New York State that um, basically helps offset a lot of their state excise tax, and there's a big disparity between what what they get back versus the uh, the farm distillers. Um, so we're we're trying to create some parity on on that front. You guys work closely with the Brewers Guild at all, or do you guys we since have, it's so yeah. separate? You say no, we don't. No, we have a good relationship with with them, um, the brewers, the wineries, the the cideries. We uh, we know that there's a lot of common ground to, to yeah. work together. So, um, but yeah, our guild has, um, you know, after a few years of just trying to get our feet under us, you know, I think right now we've got a, a director that's fantastic, and it's uh, we're making a lot of good progress there. So I think one of the biggest New York guild things that i've noticed being outside of new york for a while now is, is the empire rye um, so you guys created your own state style of whiskey yeah so that's that's not really a guild project um no. though it may become part of the guild at some point i don't know but uh the idea was to build some identity with um a product that's was historically made in new york which is rye whiskey um you know new york was well known for really good rye um prior to Prohibition, um, lots of distilleries making it. Um, I guess let's define what it is. Sure, yeah. So uh, it started out as uh, a group of, I think there were six of us to begin with. Um, we were at one of the ACSA um, conventions, and it was late at night after several drinks. We were trying to figure out you know, what we could do to... Has all best ideas yeah, exactly. are, are hatched. <laughs> uh, but we, we thought... Rye was the thing to get behind, um, so we developed a set of criteria. Um, it's Has rye be, been a big crop in New York for generations, or yeah, did you have to more go so to back in the say, day. Hey, let's start growing it again. It's it's it it grows very well here. So it was a big crop back in the day um, when we started our business. We found it hard to get good quality rye. We were working with cover crop rye. Um, sure. It was used, you know, kind of plant between the vineyards to enrich the soils and everything. But um, we developed, you know, we, we researched what rise would do well here and, and produce better flavors and yield and everything. So we started planting some of those varieties. Um, so yeah, it's it's coming back in a big way. There's a lot of rye grown here. Um, as far as the- It's interesting to see kind of down the road as all these New York Empire Rye start to come out if we can start picking out the the terroir of well this is sort of upstate west rye or this is closer to the city tastes like smog rye <laughs> just kidding <laughs> actually a lot of the, the downstate uh, producers are getting their their rye from upstate too sure. but, 
Um, I don't know. We've left a lot of flexibility. There are some certain criteria. Uh, it's got to be 75% New York State rye that goes into the mash bill uh, minimum. Um, it could be malted or unmalted. Is that like the farm bill? Is that going to increase over time or is 75 just set? Yeah, so 75 is set, and that's what the farm bill requires, too, is 75% New York State. And then I, thought it, I thought it started growing after, or maybe it started with 50% and year to year. No, with the distilleries, it was always 75, and they haven't changed that. The breweries have to okay. incrementally increase it. Um, but we have some things like a little lower uh, barrel proof. Um, it has to be 115 or lower. Yeah. Um, it's got to be aged to minimum two years. Um but within all that, there's there's tons of room to play around. Yeah, I don't think know. any of them are going to taste the same. I so. don't, not that I've tried so far, but uh, it's still you know something that we're all getting behind. There's uh, we started with six people uh, or six distilleries. I think I heard there's 22 that have committed to being involved with it now. So is there a minimum production percentage that you have to make, or like if you made one barrel of Empire State Rye? Yeah, as long as you that you know you can make a. 30 gallon barrel and put that out and as long as you that barrel meets the requirements you can uh, call it empire rye that's really awesome that's one of the things i hope to start seeing nationwide is you know there's already sort of obviously tennessee we have a very unfair advantage where that is a style that no one else can they can make but they can't call it that Um, but seeing a utah style whiskey and a Mm -hmm. um, you know obviously nevada is going to have their own thing with Bentley Heritage. I think we have more New York State uh, Empire Rye producers than Tennessee whiskey producers now. I would think so. <laughs> How many distilleries do you guys have? 22, I think, that are doing it. So Maybe it's close. I don't know. How many, dist- <laughs> do you know, how many distilleries are in the oh, state? Oh, there's over 150 in the state. Yeah. I think we have like 48. Okay. Smaller state, though. So. Yeah. And ours obviously have more muscle. But yeah, absolutely. Slightly. <laughs> Some of our distilleries are, are really just like a, a bar, basically, yeah. that has a still, you know. Have you and got, what's your, so what's your feeling on distill pubs? I don't think that's legal here yet, but a couple states have done it, so. I, don't see, I, I think the rules in New York allow for it, really. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, you still have to get the, the formal distilling license, but I know a lot of places. But wasn't that, that I mean, I just feel like that kind of cuts through the three-tier, which is where it's usually a problem. Yeah, but uh, in New York State, you they've crafted the laws so you do cut through the three-tier. So if you're producing the product under a farm distilling license, you can distribute it yourself. You can sell it retail yourself. You could sell it at farmer's markets. So there's, like I said, there's you're making me jealous. kind of a friend, <laughs> friendly business You don't have to give that cut to the distributor for touching your spirits. No, no. Great. Well, thanks for taking the time out of your your busy day to yeah, sit down and have a drink with me. Always so. good to see you, man. <laughs>